the book of James chapter 4. We, we actually touched on some of this and then we uh, jumped off of it when we were going through uh, the story of Hosea, which is just a, a cool story. And uh, I started this a couple weeks ago talking about God's desire and uh, wanting, wanting to know what God wants, because guys, we, we start the year off and we're like, this is what I want for the new year. And I thought, man, we need to be starting off with the idea of what does God want for the new year? What, what does God look for? What does he say it, that he would like to be in your life instead of the opposite way around? And so I thought this was so important. We started in Psalms 23 when we first got into this about how, how God said, I'll, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I, I know where I want to take you, I know where you, I want you to be. He, he talked about giving us provision and, and protection, and he said, I, I will give you everything that you need. And he said, one of the things in there that his desire was, was to lead us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. God will not lead you into places to do wrong. God will not lead you in places that will mess you up. God will not lead you to places to fail. When we get in those spots, we lead ourselves to those spots. And the last week we were talking about, man, God's big desire, God desires us. God said, uh, through this, the story, this illustration of Hosea, this passionate story about how much God loves us. And, and he told Hosea, he said, I want you to go back after her. After she cheated and failed and messed up, God said, pursue her, restore her, pick her up, bring her back. God loves us that much. Just amazing. It was a visual of God's desire. But today I want to, I want to take this a step further and, and, and look into not only God's desire for us, but to take it one step further than that. And that is God's desire for a relationship with us. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that is so cliche. It's like God desires a relationship. You know, you know in a really cliche statement that we say a lot, we say this all the time. God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. Have you guys ever heard that one before? God, it's not about religion. It is about relationship. But I don't, I don't even know if we understand what that means. Because did you guys know that religion is not wrong? That, that idea of religion is not wrong. The, the word religion means a, a define, is defined as our beliefs and our opinions concerning the existence of God. It, that's an important thing that we, we have religion of what we believe. It is the practice or the activity relating to what we believe. But here's the warning. And you say, well, then why do we say that? Because a lot of people get caught up in the practice of Christianity rather than the purpose of what we do. We get caught up in the practice rather than the purpose. For instance... A lot, a lot of people, when they think of this, it's, it's their, their relationship with God has everything to do with their attending church or taking communion or singing or serving God. But these activities might bring you a fuzzy feeling, but is not the core of your relationship with God. Amen. There is a difference. So I'm praying that this morning that God gives me the, the illustration, the, the way to communicate this and, and, and explain this. What we're talking about. I, I, I thought about this concept. If we, if we were to sit together and uh, I was going to ask people uh, about your relationship with God. And I was going to ask you, how, how deep, how good is your relationship with God? What, how, how would it be? I, I have known people that have moved away from the church. They, they go out of town. They move to another city or whatever it is. God, God does that. 
And, and, I, and I've asked them later, I said, so did you guys find a new church? Are you guys active and everything like that? And they said, oh, Pastor Tony, we, I know it's been like two, a year and a half, but we, we're not in a church. And they say, to be honest, there's just no church-like fellowship, so we just haven't been involved in a church. And I jump back and I think, okay, that, that concerns me. Because we can get comfortable with the very practice of what we do here at the church, that we fall in love with the practice of the people and the building and the, and the programs and things like that. But we, we miss out on the purpose of why we get together. The, the purpose of church, whether you're here or in California, is to draw nigh to God. It's to bring glory to God in your life. That is the purpose of why we do. And I promise you, whether you're in Columbus, Ohio, or on the other side of the world, God still desires that purpose. It doesn't matter where you are. But if we fall in love with, well, I just love the people there and I love how it is and that feels like home, we can go off our feelings and miss out on what it's all about. We're all emotional creatures. There's a danger to get caught up in those types of things. Here's the thing. It's, this is, what we're doing right now is a perfect illustration of that. You know, you, some people walk out of here today and just say, well, I just didn't feel, it just didn't feel like church today. You know what I'm saying? It, it didn't feel like church Here's the thing, if we get together and we praise the name of Jesus, we fellowship and love on one another, we open our Bibles and we preach the Word of God, we just had church. We, we had church. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about all those things, but if you're more concerned about the seat that you sit on and the steeple on the building than you are about the purpose, then you're missing it altogether. We miss the purpose. The purpose of all that we do is to draw us closer to God. It's the reason we have classes, it's the reason we sing, it's the reason why we get into His Word, it's the reason of all those things. It's to make Him known and to bring glory and honor to God. Picture it like this. If you are saved and you have this commitment and this bond, this relationship, the same way that Gomer had with Hosea, it is God used that illustration there. It is a commitment. Me and Jen made, man, I'm not used to preaching this close to you. <laughs> I'm really going to know if I messed up today. <laughs> I was going to tell some stories. Now this is going to get <laughs> awkward. <laughs> we, me and Jane, we, we met at Pensacola Christian College, and we got married two years later on May 10th of 1997. That's, that sounds crazy. It makes me sound old now that I've been married for 18 years. That, that's just weird, Okay. I've been there this year. I know I've said this, but this is just really mentally weird in my head. This year, I am turning 39 years old. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but this is give me a break here. Here's the thing: when I was dating Jenny and I was a teenager, I went to Jenny's mom's 39th birthday. So. In my mind now, it's like I can project what the next 20 years of my life is going to be like. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just weird that time has gone by so fast. But looking back at the time, and and I'm thinking of the relationship that I have with my wife and the love that I have with my wife, and and I thought about that. It is is a connection, it's a closeness that God has. It's, it's a deeper bond than just having friends around me. It's, it's deeper than that. And the thing is about our relationship, if there's something that is bothering me, she knows about it. If you guys are close enough to somebody in your life 
And you're, I'm talking about a relationship here, and we're going to get really deep into this, and this is going to be a different kind of message because all I'm going to do is ask you questions. But when, you're, when you have a relationship with somebody, they know when something's wrong with the other person. Have you guys ever been around somebody and you ask them the question, what's wrong, and they say nothing, you know they're lying? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what's wrong? Nothing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it sounds like nothing's wrong. And there's, there's something that comes out of our relationship when there's a closeness and a bond the way that it should be there. When, when she is hurting, I can see it, and I know it, and vice versa in our lives. And the love that we have for each other, there's action that follows. The way that God told Hosea to love Gomer, and there was action that followed that. It was an illustration of love. Now, this is in our passage, but I want to read this. Then we're going to jump forward four verses but James 4.4, 4, this is the verse that we looked at last week when we were talking about Hosea. And I said, look at God looks at it like with us like that. And he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that your friendship of the world is enmity with God. Now, I'm going to point out some things. Number one, everything that we're talking about is dealing with a relationship. You say, He is God Almighty and I am just the peasant that runs around the earth. And you, got, you see that God is not using creator and servant as His illustration. He's talking to us about adulterers and adulteresses. That's dealing with breaking of a relationship. And He's talking about us with God of a friendship. Every one of those things that God is bringing out to us is dealing with a relationship. Relationship with us is a big deal to God. It is a big deal to God. Keep this in mind as we keep going. Because God loves us. God is jealous of us. All these things are, are, are evident in there. If your relationship is stronger with the things of the world or a friendship with the world, then your relationship with God is not good. I want to help us today. Let's say if I stood at the door... I was a walk in and, and let's, let's say I did this survey. You, you know how when you go to the mall and they have that little clipboard and they do that and you try to avoid them. And, uh, and if I was just standing there and say, good morning, sir. Welcome, welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. Can I ask you a question? How is your relationship with God or do you have a relationship with God? Do you know that first check mark? 95% of everybody in the church would say yes. But what if I was to stand back and say, can I confirm that just for a minute? God, uh, do they have a relationship with you? And God says, that dude hasn't talked to me in over a week. That dude is not interested in any of the things that I'm interested in. It's, I don't know if God would say dude or not, but. (laughs) So here's my questions. I'm going to ask you guys three questions, okay? Soak it up. This is the big and only message for today. So get it all in at once. Number one, do I pursue a relationship with God? I didn't ask if you have a relationship, and I'm going to define this. Do you pursue a relationship with God? You say, well, of course I do, but let's see the evidence of it. James chapter 4, verse 8 now. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. This, is, this verse actually says a whole lot, okay, more than just what we skim over and see. The word draw nigh means to come near. It implies that there is distance, okay? It, it, it implies the fact that God is over here, and when we're saved, there's, there's this distance. And you say, wait, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. 
because of this simple fact that when Jesus died on the cross and I accepted Him as my Savior, I was born into Christ. That is true. When me and Jenny got married, we stood at an altar. She took this very ring right here. She slipped it on my finger. And we had a commitment at that point. But that doesn't mean 10 years later that we have a relationship. And a lot of people remember that day at the altar where you made a commitment to God and God made a commitment to you that I will never leave you for nor forsake you. I died on the cross. You're freed from your sin and all that. But that does not mean 10, 20 years later that you have a relationship with God. But we're, we're stuck with that. Nothing happens in our life. There is no activity, no pursuing, no passion, no nothing. But because you look back at that day, you think you have a relationship. And I think God is drastically hurt when He looks at these verses and says, where is it? If your relationship with God was the same with us, I wonder how bad your relationship would be with your spouse today. If you talk with God as much as you talk with your spouse, you just draw that parallel. We know what relationships are. Whether you want to use that, draw that relationship between you and a kid or you and a friend or you and your mom or whoever it is, look at what is there. A relationship must be pursued. He said in this, he said, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. He said, wait a minute, I thought God pursues us. I'm going to show you something here. God did pursue me. He, he came for God so loved the world that He came to the world. He died on a cross. Father, forgive them. He rose again. He came out. He, for the gift of God is eternal life. I accept the gift. And I'm going to show you guys something. Now, if any man be in Christ, I am in Christ. Is, is Pastor Tyler in this room? Or, I, I know. Tyler, can you come up here? I need to, I need to illustrate. Okay. If, if, if any man be in Christ, so let, let's, let's take, I'm, I'm going to use you for just a sake as, as God, so don't let it get to your head, okay? But <laughs> I was pulled out of the world and God set me here, okay, in a relationship. Now, I, I'm not trying to read into this, but draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. The only way that I could look at that is the, the fact that there's distance between me and Tyler. Because if, if we were already here, there'd be no reason to draw nigh. Because the Bible says to call near. Now, now, we have the commitment that is there. I am already in Christ. I've already been saved. I'm already in this place of grace. So I'm not trying to downplay that. But here's the thing that God said that He wants from us. He wants us to draw nigh. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. Who does He, who does he say to make the first move? Isn't that crazy? He's already made the first move to save us. But in our relationship where God says there is now nothing that has to get between us, come here. Come here. That, that blew my mind. That God wants to see initiative in my heart to go to Him. Amen. Amen. I, I can say the, the verse a lot, but understand, we love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. And if there is true love, there's going to be action to want to go to Him. Tyler, I'm going to keep using you, but you can, you can sit down for me. <laughs> I, with me and Jenny, were dating in college, and I, I fell in love with her. And there was, you know, sometimes people come to you and ask you that question of, when, when did you know you were in love with her? When, when did it pass that line of that? And, and it's hard to explain anybody you try to put in the words, but just something that hits your heart. 
And you say, I, I can't live without that person. I don't want to live without that person. Having to say goodbye and leave them forever is not an option for me. And so I could tell you that I, I pursued her in college, not like a stalker, but I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe a little bit. <laughs> but I asked her out. I asked her out again because we wanted two dates, not because she told me no the first time. I bought her gifts. I wrote her notes. I, I, there was action in my life. But let me tell you this. Along the way, in order for the, 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 the relationship to grow, I had to see that in her too. Relationships aren't one-sided. And, and that's the thing that we're missing with us and God. When, when I loved her, I stepped back and, and there was funny things that I did. There was, we got into this argument one time because, anyways, I, I loved her and I, I, I wanted her to tell me that she loved me. And I was holding out, waiting for those words to come out of her lips, and she knew it, and she was just stubborn not to say it. I don't know all the details. I, I probably shouldn't have said that. But like, <laughs> we have all afternoon to argue and make this right. <laughs> but in the relationship, I, I, I wanted a response. I wanted to know that she loved me. And some days... You know, I was, I was separated from her. I, I, I had classes all day. I worked my way through college. And I'd have to go straight to work afterwards, and she was on my mind the whole time. You know what I was wanting to know? I know this sounds stupid to some of you guys. I wanted to know that, that she had me on her mind. I did. I wanted to know that. And, and, and you guys are starting to catch on to this about our relationship with God. This is so much more than just the initial commitment of being saved. So much more than that. And, and, and I remember those times that I'd be working and everything. We had this, this mail system on campus. And I would get back and I would pace that room waiting to see if I got a note. And I'd open it up and top of the line she'd open up and say... Hey, babe, I missed you today. And it was like a little happy dance in my college dorm. I mean, just, it's just so cool that I knew that she cared enough about me that, that as I was standing there and I drew near, near to her, she was trying to draw near to me. And that, that there needs to be there that. And God says, this is the desire that I have for you. But notice his response when he says in verse four, 8, Draw nigh to God and He will, He will. Circle that, underline that. He will draw nigh to you. You know what that tells me? That God wants to be close to me. He didn't say, I'll think about it or you come all the way. He said, you step forward to me and I will step forward to you. It's a mutual thing. The creator of the world it's pursuing the step forward to have a relationship with you. How cool is that? When I do marriage counseling, couples counseling, I, I, I ask the question quite often. I said, what do you do for him or her, whatever the situation is? What do you do to show them that you love them? Sometimes the response comes back and says, well, I do his laundry. I'm like, aren't you the romantic, you know? I fold his underwear, you know. Just, the other side of it is like, well, I put gas in her car. I mean, it's just like, 
Is that, is that how far it's gone? Is that's an expression of love? And, and I mean, th- those, those things are great to maintain. But to me, that's not pursuing. I'm thinking, is that how you won her over the first time? <laughs> I, I mean, just, you just think about the details of what we're talking about. And I ask questions. When was the last time you took her on a date? When's the last time you did something that was unexpected? When's the last time you shared your heart or shared your love? When was the last time you did something just because? And I'll tell you, the reason is, according to God, jump back to verse 4, he adulterers and adulteresses know you not that your friendship with the world is enmity with God. We, t- we, we fill our time with friendship of the world because something is drawing you away from moving forward to God. All right, Tyler, I need you again. I need you to stand and be God for a minute, okay? He's, he's God in this, this relationship. When we are first saved in that pursuit, God does all this thing and He calls out to me and I hear messages and I go to church or I'll read my Bible and He'll tell me something. And all of those things where I was in the world and what I've got satisfaction from, I leave behind it. You know what I do in my Christian life? I step forward closer to God. Now, this, the, the way that I pursue God is, is I want to be in church. I want to be in my word. I want my radio to play his name. I want his presence around me in any way that I can get it. And, and that's the way. And you say, put it into words. I'll tell you, once it happens, just like in a dating relationship or in a love or romance, once it happens, it just starts happening. Your, your heart is drawn close to that person. When you start falling in love with somebody, what happens? You walk into your bedroom. There's going to be a picture on the, your dresser of that person or on your refrigerator. Your, your screensaver. Everything's going to happen to where you want that person in front of you or the thought of them or the idea of them. If that's not there, I question. You say, well, how does that apply to this? Along the way, I'm, just, I'm speaking to us as Christians. Along the way, we quit pursuing God and we get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? There's no more of that pursuit. It also happens in your marriages, too. It's, it's there. There's that bond and, and all that other stuff. But there is none of this pursuing anymore. Now it's just a matter of, man, I'm glad I'm saved and we just sit. There's nothing. We get caught up in the entertainment of the world uh, of, uh, of TV and Facebook and everything else and on our time rather than going into the reading and the praying and the church and everything else. Our, our Sunday nights are now consumed with our favorite TV show, and there is no Wednesday night Bible studies, and we don't read our Bible at night. And da, da, da. Everything changes. You say, I still have God. You know, the thing is, God didn't say that you left Him. You just create a friendship with the world that distracts you from Him. That's what happened. Your friendship with the world. We, we've, you say friendship with the world. I'm, I'm, it's not talking about going around hugging trees. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Talking about the friendship that we have with the world is, is the things of the world become fond to us over our relationship with God. I'm not sitting there throw all those things out. But if it stops and you say, how do I know that it's not good when it stops this from happening? It's not good. All right, you can sit down again. <laughs> Don't get comfortable. <laughs> you say, how, how, how do I know? How have you drawn nigh to God this week? What have you learned about God this week? What have you read? What have you studied? 
What did you memorize? How much time did you spend with Him? What was your prayers like? Your Bible reading? What was your conversation like with other people? And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, when I was... The Bible says that the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. When me and Jenny were dating, everybody else hated to be around me. Because all I could do is, oh, Jenny, last night, we did another, and they're like, stop talking about Jenny. And then the guy would say, if you're going to dare, come into our room right now and talk about Jenny. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you, you get excited, and, and that's what happens. You know, it's, it's, it's the way that it should be. If I was to ask you right now, what is God doing in your life? Would you have something to say? you had to testify right now, what would you say? See, when you say that you are pursuing Him, but all of your downtime goes in the sports center and playoff games, and you can sit there and recite the stats about your favorite quarterback, you're advancing in Clash of Clans, and you like every picture on Facebook, and you're on level 5,000 of Candy Crush. When, when our money goes into everything and not the things of God, and we have the new iPhone 12 XXL and <laughs> everything else in our life, and there's, there's none of that pursuit of God, then God has to say, what's going on? What's going on? For you loving me so much, there is no pursuit of me in your life. And this is what's sad. And the funny thing is, we sit here and complain. We sit and wonder why. This is us. We sit there and we're playing with this and we've got everything going on in our phones and you know everything going on in our lives and saying, there's no pursuing, there's none of that. And we sit there and this is, this is what we do. Well, I don't get all the blessings that everybody else gets. You know, God, God doesn't love me like that. And for being so happy, you know, my, my life's falling apart and everything. Can you stand up again? Good exercise, bud. You can stay right there. Where does joy come from? Where does where's my strength come from? Satisfaction, joy, wisdom. Where's my provision come from? But here we are. Complaining and everything else, wanting to know why I don't have what that is. That's why he said, draw nigh to me and I will keep drawing nigh to you. Get up. Put put down the distractions. Get, Get your focus back up on me because everything that I need is in Christ. Everything that I need. And and there's a lot of Christians that are miserable and they don't know why. You can sit back down. (laughs) (laughs) Question number one. The other two will be shorter. Be like, now I know why they're only having one service. They're going to squeeze it all into one. (laughs) Number two, does what matters to him matter to you? First question I'm asking is there's evidence of you pursuing God in your life? Is there anything showing that you're drawing nigh to God in your everyday life? The same way that you draw nigh to that person that you fall in love with. Number two, does what matters to him matter to you? Draw nigh to God, verse 8 again, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
During my pursuit with Jenny, during our dating time, I became very conscious of what she liked and did not like. There, There were certain things that I grew up saying or jokes or whatever it is, and I quickly realized what bothered her. Some of the ways that I dressed that I thought was really cool ended up not being so cool after I figured that out. Some of my jokes that I thought were funny were not so funny. When, when I met her, uh, I, I had to grow up a little bit, uh, to be honest. I mean, I, a lot of you guys know the story of how we met. When I met her, I was wearing a Burger King crown from, McDo- uh, from uh, Burger King. <laughs> Burger King crown from McDonald's. That makes a lot of sense. But long, long, very deep romantic love story, but that's for another time. But uh, a lot of the things that I did... and. When I, when I, in our relationship, I, I changed the closer that I got to her. And there's some of the things that I thought was fun in, in everything. I realized I, I had this really cool sports car. And I, I thought I was showing off to her by that the, the fact. Now, I was young and immature. Don't judge me. <laughs> you know, that, that all the guys thought it was cool because I could catch rubber in like first, second, and third gear of my car. So I decided to show her how cool that was. She didn't think that was cool at all. When, when, we, were, when we were dating, I should not be telling you this, we, we, me and my buddies had these the things. We were, we were poor college students, poor, bored college students. So on the, our, our downtime, there wasn't a lot to do when you don't have money to go do anything. So we would hang out in the cafeteria for long lengths of time after lunch because we had nowhere to go, like on the weekends and stuff. We couldn't afford to do anything. So anyways, don't judge me. <laughs> I have to go here. <laughs> they, they served Little Debbie brownies with the meal as dessert. And me and my buddies just thought this was the funniest entertainment in the world we would just smoosh up those brownies into shapes and then set it back on the buffet line and just sit back and watch everybody's reaction as they would go through the line. Don't judge me, we were poor. <laughs> and one day I'm out on a date day with all my buddies and her and we're doing this and I quickly found out that we were idiots. And... Uh, <laughs> And I, I, I changed a, a, a lot. I, I had two friends named Bubba and Scott, and we would do all these things, and it was a lot of fun. And I changed different things about me that got in the way of me getting closer to her. Okay? Now, now what all the other guys called that was being whipped. And what I called them was being single. Okay? <laughs> There was, there was two sides. I was like, you can call me whipped all you want. Let, let, me, let me tell everybody that's single in here some advice, okay? And let me tell the guys here advice. Don't take dating advice from your buddies that only get attention from their moms, okay? <laughs> if, that, if that's the only girls giving them attention, that's probably not the guys that you... But there, there was, what I realized, there was nothing wrong with that because at the same time of us drawing close in our relationship and we realizing that there was just some things that I needed to fix or change, she, she was actually trying to make me better because she was a little more polished than I was. I was from Alabama, okay? And, and, and some of the things and ways that I grew up and everything, it was just different. But 
as I drew closer to her, there was things that would come out in my life that I realized that I wanted to change or do differently. Even, let me say, even the other girls that I would hang out with during that time, as she turned around and was like, who was that girl? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm like, just, just a girl from science class or whatever. I, I quickly, if that bothered her, I cared more about her than I did hanging out with that girl from science class. And because I loved her enough to do that, I was willing to not walk out of class with that so-and-so girl if it knew that it would make me get closer to the one that I loved and wanted to please. If there is not a desire in in what matters to the person that you love and it doesn't matter to you, then something's wrong in that relationship. And let me tell you, this this parallel could go straight with your marriage relationship as well. There, There should be something happening. There should be a pursuit going on there. But what matters to them ought to matter to you. And when when it doesn't, then it says that there's problems in the relationship. And, And let me tell you guys, if you have the word of God, there's a lot in this that tells us what God desires. And there's a lot in here what God says should be there and what bothers him and what, what is wrong and what is right. And when God sits there, he, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light. This is the light of God's word. It shows me what is wrong and right. And as he shows this and I draw him closer to him, I begin to see what needs to change in my life. Through my devotions, through hearing preaching, through hearing a Sunday school lesson, through, through something that God will teach me, every time I get closer to Him, I get closer to what He says in my life. If I would have stood back on all of those things, and if Jen would have said, you know what, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with you hanging out with that girl. I don't like the fact that you sit with her and all those other things. And I would have stood there and said, you know what, I don't care what you have to say. It would have stopped the drawing nigh really fast. Christians turn around and say, I, I just don't understand why I'm not happy as a Christian. The Bible says, submit. Read, read, read the verses before and after. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you have no desire to submit in your life, then you're going to have a big problem trying to draw nigh to God. You just can't. There's two things that he said in this passage that he brought out. He said, number one, cleanse your hands. This is outward sin. But it goes deeper than that. Number two, he says, purify your hearts. That's inward sin. God God said that there's certain things, just like with me and Jenny dating, and and I'd walk up to her and she'd look at me and maybe say, do you really think that matches? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take a mental note of that, (laughs) mental note, and, and not pair those two things up next time because my desire is not for her to think I look like a dork. And then there's the inward things. As, as I would get angry over something that was stupid, or if I would get upset over something that wasn't important, and, and, and I'd take note of that, that, God wants to clean us up on the inside and the outside. Hey, let me tell you, saints of God and Christians that are here today, just because you've cleaned, out the, cleaned up the outside doesn't mean that God doesn't notice the inside. You wonder why the, the, the closest is not there and everything that He is, the joy, the peace, the love, the long-suffering, all those things that God is, and you're thinking that I, I, I'm not experiencing those things. Maybe, maybe there's some areas of your life inside or outside that you need to clean up. So oh, there He goes again, talking about sin and how, as you know, He said He leads us in the path of righteousness. 
One thing that we have hurt this nation, we hurt our families and we hurt our, our kids, because we're not willing to stand up and say there is things that is right and there are things that is wrong. Amen. That's just the way that it is. Amen. Sit there and say, well, that's not popular today. Well, that's what's wrong with our nation today. We're trying to go after what's popular rather than what's right. And it's not helping us at all. It is okay for your kids to sit there and hear a preacher get up and say, hey, God said that this is wrong, and for you to sit there and say, well, if God says it, then we need to follow it. But you squirm in your seat going, well, I don't like that, and that means I have to go home and change some things. Maybe you do need to go home and change some things. Because if you want all that God is, you better learn to submit to God. We've got it to where I'll just go to another church. You you can bounce around, but I tell you, as long as they're preaching the Word of God, you're going to hear it again. And the reason we're having problems today is because the Bible says that in our day and age, they're going to have itching ears. They're going to go somewhere until they find someone that's going to tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Amen. He said, all right, I love you and I, you love me, but you're going to have to clean some things up. You need to clean your hands, you sinners, the things that you touch in your life every single day. And you sit there and, and wash those things out of your life, the things that you've picked up or bring in and look at and, and, and go after. You need to clean some things up. And then he said, you need to get your heart right. Purify your heart. All those things that God says is so that we could have a better relationship. And let me close with this one. Ask you, first of all, question number one, are you pursuing God in your relationship? Is there evidence of you drawing nigh to God? Number two, does what matter to him matter to you? If not, something's wrong. Here's the third thing. Do you or are you experiencing the joy of God in your relationship? Are you experiencing the joy of the relationship? I'll be honest. There is a lot of people that sometimes act like their marriage is a death sentence. You've been around people like that? I, I, I could point them out when me and Jenny were first dating and we first were married. I remember distinctly... We were in, uh, in, in uh, Jacksonville going to Bible college, and we had an opportunity to go home, and I ran into some family, and they were there, and uh, we were at this church event, and we were out in, in this field having this dinner on the ground thing, and one of them comes up, and he's giving me this advice. You, you need to learn to shun some advice. He was like, well, it's so cute that you guys hold your hand. Give it 10 years. You won't ever do that again. And, yeah, da, da, da. and when they start referring to their spouse as the old ball and chain, you need to leave because they're miserable. And you know what the problem is? It's their own, it's their own fault too. Right. Your relationship is what you make out of it. That's right. It's what you pursue. You, you let it die, it will die. Same thing with our relationship with God. You pursue God and God said He'll pursue you and it will be everything that God promised to be. But if you sit there and let it die, it will die. Amen. That's just human nature of what we have in our lives. We let it die. We just coach or coast through it, and, and we're not pursuing anything. There's no excitement. There's no happiness. There's no joy of all of those things. You just exist. Here's the thing. This ring is not going to make me happy. Having a picture of Jenny hanging up in my office is not going to make me happy. There's all these other things that we do when we surround ourselves of me going up to somebody and say, hey, I'm married to Jenny. It's not going to make me happy. And I could sit there and say, well, let me, let me tell you about my wife. She, she encourages me and she loves me and she lifts me up and she brings me joy and she, she's a great friend and she's all of those things. 
But unless I am living and experiencing those things with her, then I'm not going to have those things in my life. You can say it all you want. You talk about God is awesome. God is great. God is good. God is wonderful. God will give you peace. God is joy. God is everything. Well, go ahead and say it. But if He is way over there, all it is is words. That's it. It's a shame. God has offered us so many things. And I read everything that the Bible says of He is satisfaction. The Bible says that He is our strength. The Bible says that He is rest. But everything that He says that, look at what it says. It says, come unto me, all you that are weak and laden, and I will give you rest. But you see, the thing is that I get what He is when I pursue who He is. I'm not going to get it over there. And a lot of Christians that have been saved for 20 and 30 years, God's standing over here, and they're content just to sit there and say, well, I've been saved for 20 years. Well, what are you doing with it? What, 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 what's going on in your life today? It's not a status symbol. It is a relationship with God. I, I thought of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. James 4, 8, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. John 14, verse 4, abide in me and I will in you. As the, the, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. You see, everything that the Bible says of this illustration is I am but you won't experience what He is until you develop that authentic relationship with God. So I ask you in closing, in your, your walk, don't sit there and say, do you have a relationship with God? Oh, yes, I have. I've been saved 30 years. I didn't ask you how long you've been saved. I didn't ask you how long you've been wearing the ring. That's great. I'm happy for you. I'm asking you, are you pursuing God on a regular basis? I'm asking you, Does what matter to Him matter to you? And I'm asking you, are you experiencing the joy of who God is?